so I'll just say this too. To me, making the shift to permaculture is also a different kind of shift in terms of how we look at design. Uh, how many of you are gardeners? Okay. So how many of you have ever, like, gone to bed with gardener's porn? You know, something like... <laughs> Something like the White Flower Farm catalog. Yeah! <laughs> yeah. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music thinkers, and we are the dreamers of dreamers. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think, don't think. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10, we did not know each other. And we could not speak to each other because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who is taking donations from the NRA. It is because America has not invested in its people. Shame on you. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if we could have figured out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever, well, it didn't happen to you, you're wrong. Are you better off than you were four years ago? My fellow Americans, it's time to speak out. They're looking for help. They're looking for help. They're not looking for more of the same. When people lose their jobs, there's a good chance I'll know them by their names. When a factory closes, I know the people who ran it. When the businesses go bankrupt, I know them. We will respond with that timeless creed that sums up the spirit of a people. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And when we get enough money, honey, we'll bring you down. But their children were saved. Their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much, and may God bless America. And you look at that and you go, like, I've got to have that rose, you know, right? I've got to possess it. I've, you know, I've got to have it in my garden next to that lavender. You know. And, you know, it's, it's easy to do that. Uh, and I admit that I fall into that, too. But when you go into permaculture, you start to look at things differently. You say, okay, it doesn't have to be, it's not so much that rose because it looks so pretty. If I'm looking at a rose, I'm looking at a set of relationships. So I'm going to look at the rose, and I'm going to say, all right, um, first of all, what are some of the qualities of a rose? Well, it has flowers. The flowers can attract bees and pollinators. Uh, but you know what? Probably that rose, that luscious one with 1,500 petals, no scent that's so overbred, that probably isn't going to do anything for the pollinators. That much simpler rose, that's much closer... Oh, you've got it. To an earlier, thank you. To an earlier rose, that one probably would. And a rose has thorns. You know, so if I put this rose somewhere where those thorns are going to serve a function, like 
instead of surrounding my urban garden in the inner city with barbed wire to keep out intruders, what if I planted climbing roses, much friendlier looking, <laughs> but equally probably more effective? Um, what if I planted some lovely five-petaled rose that's going, or some rugosa that's going to actually give me rose hips that are useful for vitamin C? I might actually have a whole product out of this. And instead of just getting something that looks pretty, I'm getting something that serves multiple functions. And I do that by thinking about its relationships of time and space. And in doing that kind of thinking, you also help create abundance. Okay, so now hopefully we're going to hear a little from Maddie and look at a few passages. Really, to a post-carbon future. For me, when I did my first permaculture design course, it was very much a way of completely opening my eyes to how nature impacted itself within woodland systems, forest systems, landscapes. Suddenly, there was a pattern that I could understand and see. The web of life is woven of patterns that repeat. The forces that shape the galaxies or fuel a hurricane guide the growth of a shell. The stars radiate light like a flower's petals radiate out to attract the bees. star explodes and a flower disperses seed. Seen from space, the veins of rivers and estuaries branch like the veins of a leaf, the limbs of a tree. And our own designs are informed by our deep understanding of nature's geometry and harmony. When we begin by observing nature's patterns, when we learn to work as part of nature herself working, we find allies and helpers are everywhere, even in the most humble creatures. So that's a little taste of how permaculturalists look at patterns. Yeah. All right, permaculture is a wonderful thing, and so is technology when it works. <laughs> There we go. So we begin with thoughtful, protracted observation, uh, which means we start by looking at what's going on in the world around us. For me, this has become part of my deep spiritual practice. Uh, I used to do a lot of meditation that involved closing my eyes and focusing on my inner imagery or meditating on certain images of goddesses or stories or myths. I still do some of that, but my basic daily practice is to go outside and sit somewhere and open my eyes and listen and look and observe what is going on around me. Uh, we take nature as our model. Um, this is a wonderful group in Portland called City Repair that transforms intersections into gathering spaces. Uh, we value diversity. 
think this is another one of those principles that applies deeply to social justice um, because we understand that in nature, diversity brings resilience. Uh, if you have a field of genetically engineered corn, all identical, you get a bug there, that bug is going to munch its way through all the corn. If you have a meadow or a prairie where you've got 400 different species in every square yard of that prairie, you get a bug or you get a disease and it's going to maybe munch one thing and then it's going to have a lot of difficulty finding the next thing it wants to munch on because there's so much diversity and so much resilience. And in human systems, we tend to think and diversity is a bad thing. Those people are different, they must be dangerous, or they must be lesser, or whatever. If we could really understand that our human diversity uh, is a great source of our creativity and our resilience. If you have a department that's all white people from upper class backgrounds, you're gonna have a certain view of things that comes through, but if you open that up, to diversity of gender, of race, of gender history, of orientation, of class, you're going to get people who look at the world in a wider variety of ways, and that's actually going to make your science, your scholarship, your, um, your whole endeavor far more intelligent, far more sophisticated, far more exciting. So the edge where two systems come together, uh, again, it becomes one of those creative places. Yeah. It's the cops and the clowns. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've been thinking that, like, if you think about music, you know, think about that creative edge where African music and European music come together. It's given us jazz and blues and gospel and hip-hop and rock and roll and uh, folk music and uh, spirituals and so many different kinds of wonderful creative things that come out of that edge, out of that meeting point. So how do we get ourselves out of the mess we're in? Um, we need to catch and store energy in renewable ways. Uh, and that starts with the sun's energy. Uh, that picture on the right is actually my place in the Casadero Hills on a rainy day where it doesn't look like it's capturing a lot of energy, <laughs> but it does. Uh, and alternative energy renewables is not necessarily something new. Uh, people were doing it hundreds of years ago in Holland. These are windmills that still function, grinding grain and peanut butter and pigments, the same mills that ground pigments for Rembrandt are still functioning, uh, but it can be very new. And I think this is the path to creating a world of energy abundance for us all. Um, and as well, there are those forms of energy like human energy uh, that can be used. Uh, this is the parking lot in Amsterdam at the railway station. <laughs> and I will say that today we were fed on wonderful uh, sandwiches that were delivered by bicycle. <laughs> Understanding that waste is a resource, uh, that 
to me, this is a clue up to an economy that would actually function for us all in a world of diminishing natural resources. We have to understand how to use our waste as a resource. So here they're using cardboard for sheet mulch to help build soil. Uh, composting, any of you compost? I know here at Harvard they're composting. Uh, composting not only is a good thing to do for helping to get rid of your waste, but when you're composting, when you're building healthy organic soil, that soil is full of carbon. And the world's soils have a huge carbon debt um, because of agriculture over time. Um, there's been enormous carbon loss. There's a researcher called Dr. Ratan Lal at the University of Ohio who says that we have as much excess carbon in the atmosphere from the Dust Bowl in the 1930s as we do from every automobile ever invented. Uh, so that carbon hunger is actually good news for us because it offers us a pathway to sequestering carbon, to taking it out of the atmosphere and doing it in a way that's not only safe but has no downside. Uh, it's only going to help regenerate ecosystems, land systems, um, your garden, everything else. When you're making compost, when you're increasing that humus in the soil, humus is basically full of carbon and it's stable. It can last, human molecule of humus can last for 50 years. Uh, so when people start talking geoengineering and all that stuff, we don't need to be putting like mirrors in space or seeding the ocean with chemicals or all of that crackpot stuff. What we need to be doing is massive soil building on a massive scale, as well as that shift to alternatives, renewables, all of those things. And wouldn't it be exciting? Over a lifetime, all of us change to an extraordinary degree. From a physical perspective, we start off as a little bundle about 50 centimeters high with cherubic features and elastic soft skin. I want you to understand that and ask yourself at all times what's the reason you're doing or trying to do a same thing you what you do. Why go this far? Why try to learn this much? In the intervening period, every single cell in our body will have been replaced often many times over. So think about it. If you laugh, you think, and you cry. That's a full day. That's a heck of a day. You do that seven days a week. You will have gone through all kinds of experiences that perhaps leave almost no trace in memory. Remember, if you think you are wrong, you are And remember, there's no such thing as bad luck. Only lost opportunities. Never. Absolutely never. Show yourself. We carry the same name throughout our lives and consider ourselves as a relatively stable, unitary entity. But is it really right to think of ourselves as the same person? Why try to see it all? Why try to have it all? Why do it? Why learn it? Stay angry. Stay English. A standard assumption is that it's our body that guarantees our personal identity. If you think you are inadequate, you are. Now's the chance to change. Process all this information. Let me introduce you to yourself.